This is Jim Rimbach of the Fast Leader Show, and when I'm not helping people get over the hump, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Pony boy, pony boy, won't you be my pony boy? Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, whoa, my pony boy. Ride with me, ride with me, won't you take a ride with me? Underneath the starry sky, my pony boy. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. And today I am thrilled to have a return guest. Um, Craig joined me way back in October of 2015. He was actually episode 12 uh, of the podcast, and uh, when I did a reach out after I'd gotten out of the hospital saying, hey, I'd like to talk to people, Craig was nice enough to say, hey, I'd love to talk again. So welcome back to the show, Craig. Thank you very much. I'm flattered that people actually want to hear what I've got to say. Well, you know, you were a really great um, a, a guest, and you were one of my first international guests. Um, and I always mention you when when people go, well, like – what kind of people join you? And I go, I get people from, you know, I've got someone from down the street uh, coming up. Um, and then I've had people from Europe and South America and Australia. So, you know, Bruce fandom and Bruce love um, goes across the world. Yep. From Japan to the bottom end of South America, I reckon you could find fans Anywhere and everywhere. Absolutely. Um, so uh, why don't you go ahead, for those of you who did not listen to the episode, and I recommend you go back to our archives and listen to uh, Craig's first uh, discussion with me. But why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Craig Green. I live in Johannesburg in South Africa. There is another Johannesburg I've been told in California, but I don't live there. You could probably tell by the accent. <laughs> uh and uh, Bruce Springsteen has performed a grand total of four shows in South Africa. And those are four that I've seen and a couple in, in London in 2012 and 2013. Uh, been a fan since my brother first played Darkness on the Edge of Town for me. Uh, it must have been, well, whenever Darkness on the Edge of Town was released, so 77 or 78. And... Uh, I'd been looking around for music. I've always loved music. I mean, my older brother, Michael, has influenced my music since he went to to high school and brought home a seven single. I don't know how many of your listeners can remember seven singles. Uh, played at 45 revs per minute. And uh, I think it was a song by Herman's Hermits called No Milk Today. And it started me on my musical journey. And around the time that I first heard Springsteen, I'd been listening to uh, 
whatever I could get my hands on that was rock and roll. So it was a lot of Rolling Stones, a lot of Bob Dylan, a lot of Bob Seger. Uh, and then every every week I would go down to the local record store and ask a guy there, a big, big guy with a big Afro hairstyle, say to him, Abdi, what new music have you got for me? And he'd recommend something and I'd buy that latest record. Then my brother played some Springsteen for me, and I said, that's it. That's what I've been looking for all my life. That's the sound. That's how rock and roll should be played. And from then on, it was a journey with with Springsteen. There were disappointments. I mean, when Nebraska first came out, I thought, what on earth has gone, gone on here? And I tried. I listened to the entire thing, waiting for the drums to come. And they never came. And there were other disappointments with uh, Lucky Town and Human Touch that uh, still frustrate me. There's a couple of good songs, but uh, yeah, they're not not my first choice albums. Right. But the the advantage is with Springsteen, there's a a song for every every day of your life, really. So there's days when you feel uh, down and you listen to a Pick Me Up, and there's days when you feel angry and you listen to Badlands and or Death to My Hometown or one of those. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that's really true. And, you know, the other thing, um, I've, I've got this as we're recording this. Um, Peter Chianka from Blogness on the Edge of Town and I have recorded an episode, and it's coming out um, the um, this week, um, the week of April 10th. And, you know, he had his listeners or readers send in their five most Bruce Springsteen-like Bruce Springsteen songs, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, the diversity of selections was amazing. Um, and, you know, he truly has, um, there are, you know, there are songs where you go, wow, that doesn't sound like Bruce, but yet it does sound like Bruce. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, everyone loves different things uh you know i i i remember someone you know wanting to hear a mary queen of arkansas and um i was like really that that's that's your choice of the great song you want to hear um mm. you know but i not a judgment it's just it i was surprised but with his diverse catalog there's always someone out there wanting to hear that song and um and I think the beauty is that because of all the, um, you know, unreleased material he has released in box sets and and with the live shows that you can now buy, um, we get a good chance to hear uh, some of our favorites. Yeah, and the, the beauty is different people have different favorites. I mean, there's people that absolutely go wild for a particular song, and for me it'll be... I'm like, let's wait for let's wait for the next one and hear what that one sounds like. Yeah. Um, so that that's the beauty of the catalog. It yeah. just has absolutely everything. You know, and one of the things that when we talked about before, I found fascinating is growing up as you did under the apartheid. There, there was a lot of um, music being censored, and I found that fascinating. That, you know, as someone who grew up, you know, in I went to high school in the 70s and 
you know, I just went to, there was the music land, you know, in the mall, and then there was the local music store where, you know, anything that you wanted practically you could get that was available commercial. You know, of course, nowadays, almost anything you can get, period, via the magic of the Internet. But mm. um, I, I, do you every once in a while just smile when you're able to just go pick up something now or order something and you think about that young kid you were trying to find good rock and roll? Yep. And, you know, in the days, uh, Pink Floyd, for example, The Wall, that song was another brick in the wall part, whatever it is, <laughs> two or three, was banned in South Africa because that was at the height of the Soweto riots, um, which started the downfall of apartheid. And uh, it's, uh, hey, we don't need no education, and hey, teacher, leave us kids alone. That was a no-no in apartheid South Africa. You weren't allowed to hear that. You weren't allowed to stand up against uh, the government. I mean, it was probably as close to Nazism as you could get. And it was an appalling system. Um, but everything was censored. Newspapers were censored. You couldn't find unbiased news, and there was no internet. So you couldn't get to uh, any website anywhere to, to find out what actually was going on. Now, the, the advantages of today is that you can not only can you see the news, you can check to see if it's fake news. So yes. you, can, you can do your own research, you can do your own checking up and seeing what is actually true and what isn't, which has great advantages, I must say. Yeah, it is. A much, be a much better time to be living now than it was then. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that, um, especially politically here in the U.S., there is a lot Are you still of, there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Craig, especially, you know, when you think about living in the U.S., and with the current political climate, uh, you know, that you use the word fake news and, and there is still a lot of – we have as – a, as a country, and uh, I won't generalize the world, but I think to a certain degree, you know, we have started censoring ourselves. We, we are wa listening to the news we want to hear, be it – left-leaning, right-leaning, whatever it is, you know, you tend to go to that news source that tells you the view of the news that you want to agree with. And um, I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, a press, a free press that can set, tell you things you don't want to hear is incredibly important. And I'm sure you feel that way growing up where that was not something whatsoever that you could imagine. Yeah, definitely. And it's fascinating looking at the at the U.S. now and uh, looking with some surprise at uh, people who followed people, uh, for example, on Twitter, people that agree yeah. with you. Are not necessarily going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to, well, they are going to tell you what you want to hear, but you're not going to hear the other side. And it's absolutely critical to hear the other side. Uh, and you don't have to agree with the other side, but you have to listen because you can't you can't dismiss the other side if you haven't heard what the other side's got to say. You know, uh, one of my best friends, um, the artist Tom Zoller. 
um, has been on the show and, and we have been friends for, gosh, 10 years probably. And he, being a small businessman and independent um, artist, and, you know, he tends to be very conservative. And he says what frustrates him is that the discussion doesn't go with, you want safe borders, I want safe borders. We just disagree how to do it. Let's figure out a way that we can both get the results we want. You know, you want people to be covered on health insurance. I want people to be covered on health insurance. Let's talk about how we can make that happen versus, you know, you're wrong and I'm right versus let's focus on the same goals that we want and, and figure out a way to work that together. Um, you know, and I, I tend to think compromise is not a bad word. Um, I, I suppose if you're an artist and Bruce not compromising on the vision of his album, that's one thing. But politically, you know, finding a middle ground where we are moving forward versus being in a stalemate just seems like it makes a lot more sense. And your point of hearing the other person's side and listening to what they're trying to accomplish just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that would also involve tolerance. Now, if you agree with everybody, you don't have to tolerate them at all because there's nothing to tolerate right. because you agree. Uh, but tolerance means somebody else has a different viewpoint. And in order to tolerate it, I actually have to listen to it. Uh, and if I don't, well, nothing, you know, we will always end up in a bun fight arguing with each other. Um, that's going to solve nothing. It's just going to polarize people. Absolutely. I totally agree. So last time we talked, like I said, it was in the fall of 2015. Um, just think about that. At the time, we were debating on would we get another um, tour? When would we get it? And since then, um, this has been in a pretty amazing 18 months of Springsteen, hasn't it? Yeah, and I, he just he needs to come back to South Africa. Yes. Because, uh, our political situation is such that our currency is now uh, worth very, very little. So in the chances of me getting overseas to see him are about nil. Yeah. Uh, so he needs to come here. Um, and, so um, – have you um, – did you uh, – so you didn't make any of the tours for the river or any of the European tours for this this past um, year. And I'm certainly nope. sure he didn't make – you didn't make it to Australia. <laughs> I didn't make it to Australia and I was stuck in South Africa. I didn't get anywhere near Europe, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, through the magic of Twitter, I was able to yeah. watch the shows and – and, you know, some of the stuff on Periscope, some of the stuff on uh, people live tweeting the, the set list and so on, makes you all feel as if as if you're there. It does. So what were your thoughts when you heard he was going to be doing the river tour and doing the river in its entirety? What were your thoughts? Well, I thought it was an in interesting concept, but I didn't think he'd be able to sustain it show after show after show after show. And I think ultimately that was true in that he, uh, on the European leg, he uh, stopped playing the entire album. I think he only played it once in Europe. I think so, yeah. And uh, because, of, you know, well, it is predictable because, you know, that's what yeah. he's going to play. 
Um, and could I go and sit through uh, five shows of the river and and a couple of other songs? Probably not. Yeah. Now I was lucky enough, and and just like in um, American football, if you miss an extra point or you try to go for to run instead of kick the ball, um, you, you know, you tend to, and you miss it, you tend to chase that point the rest of the game. Um, mm. I say that because my first Springsteen show wasn't till 2002, um, the Rising Tour, I tend to feel like I'm always chasing the concerts that I didn't get to see. So um, I ended up going to four River shows. I went to Pittsburgh when the show opened, tour opened, and then my wife bought me a Louisville ticket, and then when he came to Oklahoma City, which is only three or four hours from Dallas, and then when he came to Dallas, I attended all four shows, and my wife asked me the same thing as you were just mentioning, were you, did you find it a little repetitiveness, the same show, and I, I told her no, that, um, the the energy the band had and the joy they were playing made up for and and don't get me wrong I I won't name specific songs but there's songs on the river that I don't are not my favorite and they remained not my favorite each time <laughs> you know <laughs> you know um and then but um and I would have liked uh, a few more rarities from the box set more than just meet me in the city. I, I would have liked a couple others, but you know we didn't get it. But it was a good experience. Um, and then I was lucky enough to go to Jersey and see him at the Holy Land, um, and was able to you know one of the four-hour shows that he did there at uh, the MetLife um, you know s stadium on August 25th, mm -hmm. and kind of um, had a very good Springsteen year. Um, on the through Periscope and and listening to the shows via Twitter and I don't know if you've downloaded any shows or anything, um, anything stand out to you that you um, would have liked to seen maybe live or you thought was pretty special? I still want to see Jungle Land live. It's uh, you know yeah one of those one of those songs you take with you to to a desert island. Yes. And uh, haven't seen it. And I'd like to see it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if I ever will, I don't know, but uh, that's, yeah. that's that's one of them you've got to see. Yeah, you know, um, hopefully he is going to come back to South America. It sounds, you know, when he did those, those were amazing shows. And, um, you know, just the amount of energy and joy he had playing there, uh, I just think is amazing. Yeah, well, uh, look... If anything, he said, we'll be seeing you, which means he's coming back. And he specifically said in Cape Town, whenever do we do a tour now, South Africa, Cape Town is going to be on the uh, on the uh, uh, list of, of towns that we that we go to. So I'm holding him to that. If he doesn't, I think I'll have to fly across to the States and have words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> and he's, got, he's got to keep good on his promise. Though. Absolutely. Um, so did you buy the book? Bought the book. 
uh, read it in one uh, pretty much in a, uh, about a week, and that was it. Yeah. Then I, it, it's much like Peter Carlin's book. It it starts off with a lot of detail. Yeah. And then towards the end, I got the feeling this guy's just trying to finish it now. You know, uh, ran out of uh, out of uh, out of detail and. Maybe I was looking for too much, I don't know, but it just sort of petered out for me. You know, I think that's an interesting thought because um, I I agree. I think he opened up a lot, especially in his early career and his relationship with his parents, especially his father. And I thought he opened himself up and, and shared, um, you know, just like each of us want a different – set list. I you know, I I would have liked to hear heard more about some of the later recordings and to a little bit about, you know, recording of the rising and wrecking yeah. ball and and even, you know, high hopes and how they were doing this between shows and uh, I would have liked to seen more of that. Um but overall, I thought it was you know, and you know, after the fact, you're like, you know, he didn't even cover the We Are the World sessions. And, mm. you know, what a unique perspective of, you know, him being there at, you know, a iconic moment of pop culture. Um, and I don't even know if it gets mentioned in the book. I can't recall it. it yeah. It may well have been, yeah. Yeah, just the but thing. That, that, that's that's the nature of of the book. You say, well, the stuff that sticks out, yeah. like his relationship with his father, and the stuff that you can't recall being mentioned. Yeah, um, I I do think he was very. I wanted, I wanted to hear him. I didn't want the dirt of his first marriage, but I wanted to get some background on it. And I did think he was very honest about. He is his failures and how he was not ready for a relationship. And mm. I also wanted to hear about the breakup of the band. Um, and I thought he covered that pretty well. Um, of course, we could want more, but I thought it was enough of him why he was trying to do this and then coming back. Um I do want your, and I'm going, I'm going to kind of make a statement that I want to hear your thoughts on it. I've always wondered, in the back of my mind, how a Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band concert, you know, Bruce is the singer, and and unlike maybe someone else might say, oh, now I'm going to let Neil sing one, and Little Steven's going to take us on this one. This is a mm. Bruce show, and hearing him talk about the band and the discussion where. Uh, one of the band members was asking for more money, and he said, "You know, go research who is the highest-paid person in your that plays your instrument, and you'll look in the you know mirror, and you will see them." Um, it's very much he is the boss. Pardon yep. the pun. He, he's in charge of that band, and this is the way it gets done. You can have fun while you're doing it, and the the guys will go to the end, ends of the earth for him. But you know, you don't go and see uh, the E Street Band. You go and see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And without Bruce Springsteen, that band 
which is an exceptionally talented group of musicians, make no mistake, uh, but they wouldn't have existed because they're playing Bruce Springsteen music. And with the occasional cover, uh, which is a lot of fun and so on, but it's Bruce Springsteen music. And without Bruce Springsteen, none of those songs exist. I, I, I agree with you. And you know what I think is interesting, Craig, is the um, when they got on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he talked about that he, them together, has made his music better. You know, he I can't quote him exactly, but that them together have gone to a level that he couldn't have done. But yet, you know, he still has solo um, projects. And he, I also feel like he embraces, encourages the guys and gals to go do their own thing as well. I mean, he, he, but they all seem to just feel this connection to him. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, um, uh, Roy and um, Max and all of them in interviews have said, you know, if he calls, we're on the way because there's... Yeah, we, we drop what we're doing and we're going, we're going to do Springsteen. Yeah, and I think it's partly because, as you said, it's fun. Uh, I'm sure it is financially rewarding. But I also think it is creatively rewarding that there is something about playing the venues they play and, and the, all over the world with people, you know, feeling the one. Um, I had um, a guy on the show the other day, uh, Jeff, who said, you know, one of his best experiences was being in the pit next to a couple of people from Germany who spoke no English. I mean, they had just enough awareness that they knew they had to get a band. They knew they had to show up at a certain time. This was back before they did the lottery. You know, this was when you had to sign up and everything. And he says, and that's all the English they knew. He says, yet they were quoting, you know, singing along to the songs, I guess almost phonetically or something. And, um, I just think that's crazy in in a lot of ways how um, a diverse, um, as we talked from Japan to South Africa to you know wherever he wants to go, there is a Bruce fan that is saying, "I love this." Yeah, and the the music act, and you know the tune will transcend language. But in a lot of cases, the people have taken the time and trouble to to understand what it is that's being said. Yes. Be- because I think you can have the uh, you can have the the tune, but and the tune is catchy and it's fun, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but the the importance to me of, of of Springsteen is is the lyrics. Yes. Without the lyrics. Uh, yeah, the tunes are nice, but it's absolutely critical for me to have lyrics that people can hear. And when I play with my band, I keep on having to say to the sound engineer, words on top of the music. We don't want to lose the words in the music. And you keep on having to make sure that that's where the, the lyrics are. The lyrics make the song. Make this, the song. 
Um, yes, there is nothing worse from my perspective than going to a local show and the mix is poor where you can barely understand what the um, especially a singer songwriter is trying to say because she or he is telling a story and we want to hear that story we want to get captivated by that story um how often are you playing Craig? not as often as i'd like to okay. uh pretty much once a month uh, we have a, a mouth organ man who has has uh, family commitments so he can really only play gig once a, once a month but hey we're in front of people and we have fun where uh where do you normally play anywhere that'll have us okay that's that some some sometimes if if they'll have us twice it's even better <laughs> uh, we we played a very good gig on uh, this last friday night and uh halfway through the show they said can you play for us on the 1st of May, which is our, our workers' day, so we can play any day you like. Oh, nice. So straight out of that gig, we got another one, which is always rewarding. Oh, yeah, it uh, sounds like it. There, there is a problem in, in South Africa where people say, well, you know, play for exposure. Uh, just think of the exposure you'll get. And uh, our common response to that is people can die of exposure. Uh, we want, we we play for money really because not that it's our living. It's not. It's song by Harry Chapman. Music is our life. It's not our livelihood. Yes. We we like playing, but we're not going to play to bring people into your restaurant and you make money and we don't. Um, my friend Tom, as I just mentioned earlier, um, does that. You know, he is an artist and he has. He published, you know, he, IDW has published his works and he actually has a new series coming out this summer, um, Time and Vine, which I think is going to be very interesting. The, the premise is that there's a vineyard that um, if you drink um, uh, wine from whatever year it was bottled, you can actually go back in time to visit that time as long as the bottle lasts um and um there is he's got of course a whole bigger story about it but um he said the best part of it is we, he could buy as much wine as he wanted and write it off as <laughs> research <laughs> but you know he he has the same thing people are like oh you know just this will be really great if you do this uh art for us i mean you'll get a lot of eyes on you and and he always is like, I appreciate that, but unfortunately, exposure doesn't pay my electric bill. It doesn't yeah. pay my cable bill. It doesn't pay my car note. Um, you know, and uh, and you know, he does stuff that he does for fun, and I'm sure you do the same thing. There are times when you pull out your guitar and you play for your own amusement or your family's amusement. But yes, if if you want me to come out to your place, um. There and I and there's value in what you're providing, and there's a professionalism. So, you know, I'm not saying I need to make um, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I do want to be respected and treated as a professional. Correct? Yeah, and I don't want to be out of pocket. Yes. So, you know, I've spent money getting to your place. Uh, I've spent money on guitar strings and musical instruments, and I've spent my time and effort 
practicing, we need to be rewarded. Even if you're just going to give us a few beers and uh, and a meal, that's fine. Yeah. We, but we're not we're not playing to fill up your restaurant so that you can make the money and we can make nothing. Yeah. And that's that's a principle that we that we now stick to. Good for you. Um, is there a way for our audience to hear any of your music? Do you have some posted online? Uh, can you uh, send me? They through? can. They, they can actually even. They could, uh, if they really were feeling kind, they could go to any one of uh, uh, iTunes or uh, Deezer or Spotify or Google Play and look for Bad Scooter. We have three songs up there. And uh, all contributions would be gratefully accepted. And say the uh, say the name of the band again. Bad Scooter. Bad Scooter. Okay. Uh, uh, anybody who's a Springsteen fan may know where that would have, would have come yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Okay, we certainly do, and I will put a link in the show. Uh, and if you if they want to listen for free, they can go to SoundCloud and look for Bad Scooter Johannesburg. Okay. And they can stream it for no cost there. Okay. The important thing is to hear. Um, so, um, except waiting for Bruce to come forward uh, and come back and visit you guys, what else are you um, are you looking forward to the new solo album? I'm looking forward to it just because it. I suspect it's going to be completely different to what we've heard. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, uh, sort of Irish dancing music. Yeah. But I think there's going to be interesting sounds that we haven't heard there, and particularly interested to to see the lyrics. I mean, I, I from what I can gather, I don't think he's a fan of your current president. No, he isn't. Um, but I'm not sure that uh, the album wasn't completed before. Uh, that particular incident happened. So, and, and I'm that's interesting you mentioned that because, um, you know, in an episode, um, you know, Peter Shanka, as I was just talking about, his theory is we may never hear this solo album. That because the client has the climate has changed so much that he may not feel like releasing it anymore. That that is not the voice or the music he wants to share. And um, I hope that isn't the case, though if it leads him to do another uh, magic or rising and and where he wants to speak politically, I, of course, am going to sign up for whatever he wants to share with us. Um, I I guess the legend is, right, there's an album that he did years ago that it's still on the shelf, that he's just never released it because... He never was happy with the way it came out. Mm. Uh, if it leads to another wrecking ball or something similar, it'll be fantastic. Yes. Because a lot of what's happening in the States now is happening in South Africa, and a lot of the music resonates with what's going on here. Um, one of the songs that I've actually put up on SoundCloud and available for purchase is called Unfunny Clown and uh, the clown is our president mm. um, and he, he really isn't funny no you know, he's, he's playing with the lives of millions and millions of poor people in the same way as 
my view, and I need to be careful because I'm not a United States citizen. I don't know yeah. everything that's going on in the States. But my view is that uh, your current president does leave a lot to be desired. Um, you know, um, my wife and I were uh, – my wife was very much engaged in this, and and I was – tend to be a little more optimistic and and – I am very frustrated, and I agree. I mean, for those of you who uh, listen, I know I have listeners who were very anti-Hillary Clinton, and I know that there are people that um, feel that President Trump is speaking for them, and and if that's your case, then I applaud that. But I personally think that there they do not have a vision of America that I agree with. I I. I and it, this to badly quote Bruce Springsteen, right? We, no one wins unless everyone wins. And and I just think, you know, no child left behind. And I think we want to live in a country and a world where we do take care of our own. And I sometimes worry that um, too many of our politicians tend to want to move forward. And just say, well, you know, I'm going to take care of mine, and you'll figure out a way to do yourself when that's a little hard to do sometimes. Yeah. They have the resources and the rest of the country doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I think as well, the problem started not with, you know, the choice between – yeah, the problem started when the wrong, the wrong two candidates ended up being on the, on the ballot paper. Yes. Um, I just remember shaking my head and saying, "Is are these the best two that you can produce?" And and I also feel like um, my wife and I are big believers in this. That with the negativity of the current election cycle and how any minor misspeak or discussion you have, you are destroyed. Um, I think good people go. Huh, I don't want to do this. You know, why would I do mm. this? Why would I, you know, public service? Um, it's too, it, it, it's too much of a toll on me and my family. So I, um, we just can hope for better days, to quote Bruce, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, I don't think you, uh, Donald's going to get a second term. Yeah. He, he may. Because the, the, the electoral system is certainly unusual, not nothing that I'm used to. Right. Um, but uh, who knows? Uh, I think there's probably better better ways of um, dealing with the issue than um, shouting insults on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, um, I saw one political campaign, a cartoon that showed, um, you know, the cone you put on a dog's neck so that he can't lick a scar um they had cones mm -hmm. on the president trump's hands where he couldn't get his phone to twitter it's like uh <laughs> you know and uh i i do um yeah and and i um i also think i have a really good friend who's a, a very staunch conservative and um he says that unfortunately the reality is that um there is no it is a system of hypocrisy 
if we do it, it is right and good, and if you do it, it is horrible, and you should be ashamed of yourself. And they have no, um, no guilt whatsoever that they're both doing the actions, the exact same actions, and they're just like they – I would be embarrassed. I would like, okay – if I didn't want you to do this, how can I do it? And in the current political spectrum, it is just acceptable. Yeah. It reminds me of a song by the late Jim Croach yeah. where he says, uh, now it's let him live in freedom if he lives like me. Yes. And I think that's that's where we were at. I think so too. You're fine. You're fine as long as you agree with me. If you disagree with me, then you're wrong. Yes. Which is one of the fundamental principles of fascism, believe yes. it or not. Absolutely. Well, I had not expected to be so political, uh, Craig, but this has been fascinating. <laughs> I'm uh, a political animal. Yeah. So um, let's end with. Um, some happy thoughts. What 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 are your plans for um, this upcoming uh, the next few months? Um, any big plans with your family? Uh, you sounds like you've got a couple of nice gigs coming up. What else? Well, it's a couple of gigs. Uh, I'm concentrating on my sport or a new one, which I found for cycling, so I can go and annoy as many motorists as I possibly can. Oh, nice. Uh, I, um, of taking my wife away for a, a weekend in the in our in the mountain range down about uh, let me translate it um, spend uh, four or five days in the mountains and just relax and drink coffee and possibly I have been known to have a whiskey on occasion very nice and uh uh, that's about it. I can't think much further than that. Well, that sounds like a good deal. Well, um, if someone wants to reach you, how can they, Craig? Well, they could find me on Facebook. Are you there? Try again. Say again. Uh, that's pretty much it. All right, Craig. I had, I biggest had, boss fan. Okay. On Twitter. All right. Say that again, um, just because it sounded like I'd lost you for a minute. So, if they want to reach you on Twitter, you are at biggest boss fan. Absolutely. And on SoundCloud, you said Bad Scooter Johannesburg. And, That's correct. And Bad Scooter on iTunes. Hey guys, please go buy a couple of songs. I'd love to see. Craig, uh, see a little uptick on the downloads, and he'd go, wow, set listing Bruce helped a little bit. Let's, let's do <laughs> I'd some... like to see that. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, um, thank you, sir. This has been amazing. It's always fun to catch up with you. Um, we stay in pretty constant communication via Twitter, and but it's nice to kind of talk every once in a while. Um, hang tight while I do a little closing. Um, if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that applies, send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page, uh, setlustingbruce, and I am on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal is at jessejacksondfw. 
this is so easy. Look, we have Craig from South Africa via the miracle of Skype. So no matter where you are in the world, we can work out time zones. We need to hear your Springsteen story. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have any lyrics or any final words you want to impart on our listeners? Only lyrics are poor men want to be rich, rich men want to be king, and a king ain't satisfied till he rules everything. And if that is not a description of what can be too often wrong with our political world, no matter where we are, uh, well said, my friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you for everything. Uh, we will continue to bring um, our Springsteen stories to fans everywhere. We love you. Thank you. By the way, I want to take a minute and um, I've had so many well wishes and good thoughts and prayers as I'm going through my health journey. I'll be doing an update later about it, but for now I'm doing great and I do feel the love and the prayers. Craig, we will talk soon and I know when he comes back to South Africa, we will do an episode with you reviewing the show. Is that a deal? That's a deal. All right. For now, bye, everyone. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.